Welcome to Legends of Greyskull, the podcast that dives deep into the mythology of Masters of the Universe, with your hosts, Matthew Dooch and Sean Scavana. News, reviews, remasterings, and more are just ahead on Legends of Greyskull. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 87 of Legends of Greyskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, Shiva, Eternia, Theria, Nordor, Primus, New Adventures, Old Adventures, Ladybird, UK Annuals, Comics, Mini Comics, anything and everything you can think of with that He-Man, Shiva, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power, that Mattel logo down in the corner. I'm here again with Sean Skavarna. Sean, how are we doing today? Here I am, back again. Shawnee's back. <laughs> oh, Hello, friend. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so, yes, we are thing? back. T- tell your friends. Hit tell your friends. Down below. Tell your friends. <laughs> Get them here. We're still chasing a thousand subscribers. I know. I know. We haven't put the call out in a while. Yeah. Um, it's it's been it's been busy. It's been busy. Everything's been going rapid fire. Lots of stuff mm-hmm. in our personal lives, and um, but yeah, well, guys, come on, help us out here. We've been we've been we've been uh, just a handful away from a thousand for a few months now. Let's yeah, get it done, legendary. This is your call. So exactly. Uh, so, Sean, what's going on with you? What's new to report? For me personally, not too much, but it's kind of fun. This episode, we're actually. For anybody who is not into the CGI, for anybody who is not into the revelation, right. we're kicking it old school the way that we started out the series, the whole podcast way yeah. back in the day. Yeah. And today we're going to focus on the old school, which is kind of fun because, uh, yeah, one, once you threw out the idea to me the other day, I was like, you know what? We haven't talked filmation in forever. Yeah, I mean, we've touched upon it discussing other things, but everything's been coming out so fast, so furious, that it's like just trying to keep up with what's current, it has not given us a chance to appreciate the past. Um, So, yeah, so we'll be getting down to it. We're we're doing a full-style review, just like we used to. We'll be getting into that in a little bit here. Yeah. We have to have a refresher course, probably, because it's been so long. (laughs) But before we get there... um, I gotta say, I haven't, I haven't picked up anything this week. I don't think, but um, as you know, I finally got my first display cabinet. It's just, it's a little one. Yeah. My, my wife's coworker was getting rid of it, but um, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun being able to get some stuff out in more of a permanent display than kind of a rotational. Uh, deciding yeah. who's going in, and I've been, I've been filling it up very slowly. That's the other thing. I've been taking my time because a lot of these figures have either been in the tubs for a while, or some of them I've never opened yet because I just mm-hmm. didn't have a place for them at the time, you know. So I've kind of been taking it. Um, like last weekend, I finally got all four of the Super Seven Ultimates Ninja Turtles. And I got them all in there together. It's the first time. I didn't even have Mikey and Donnie open. And this is the first time Leo and Raph have been out together. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's been fun. Last night I put the uh, the Hellfire Goblin from Mythic Legions in the case. 
like uh, a couple nights before that, I did Belphegor from Mythic Legions. So I'm kind of taking it slow. Like, I could just mm -hmm. go and fill it all up, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take my time. I'm going to open some new stuff and slowly piecing it together. And it will become rotational, too, because it's filling up very quickly. Um, <laughs> I need more display space. But that just that's all I have right now um, until we find other housing. So, But it, it's been a lot of fun just kind of finally getting to be like, okay, I can do something with this. You know, you're grabbing everything you can, especially when it comes out, because you know nowadays once it's gone, it's gone. And, yeah. you know, if I don't get it now, I won't get it, but I have definitely gotten stuff that has gone straight into storage, which mm -hmm. uh, it's disappointing. But it's it's been a lot of fun to just slowly kind of assemble my, my first display. And my first display really? in a long time, I guess. Because I, I did. You know, when I was single and everything, and even when me and my wife first got married, I had all my stuff out. But as kids kept popping out and everything else, you know. <laughs> My space yeah. has certainly dwindled depending on where we lived. As it yeah. should. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it happens. It'll be interesting. Uh, like when, when I started putting my stuff up, because when we bought this house, this was the first that I actually had an area where I was right. like, oh, I can put stuff. And we had, we already had uh, shelving up when we bought the house. So I was like, okay, Perfect. I can, I could put a few things right. up here and there and all that kind of stuff. And it's interesting. I'll be curious to see how you are about it uh, once you get some things going on. Because now that you have a place to display it, for me, that affects what I get Yeah. in some ways. Because then it's like, well, do I even gravitate to that side of my collection where does that part matter to me as much as this part? What part am I taking the time to enjoy when I'm down here? Because sometimes I'll take stuff off the shelf. Sometimes I'll just look at the stuff and I'll just, you know, check out the details and all that. So now that you're getting this stuff out, I'll be curious, like in a few months, you're like, eh, I don't need that line anymore because that one just, I, when I see it in the shelf, you know, it's like, eh, all right. But this, this has to be displayed or whatever, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's where I am now. I'm like, oh man, I gotta get, I gotta get my demons out. I gotta get my skeletons out. You know, I gotta get yeah. Uh, uh, definitely, a, there will be a healthy handful of classics. I think I've been doing the legions first because those are the ones that I've never opened in a lot of cases. You know, mm -hmm. whereas all my masters collection, I just about I think I got a couple that I haven't opened yet. But for the majority, everything masters I have has been opened. It's been displayed at some point. You know what I mean? Like, like I know it, so I'm getting to that part last. You know, I've, mm -hmm. I've been really focusing in on the stuff that I haven't had a chance to mess around with yet. So, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, hey, that's awesome. <laughs> and I, I do want to give a big <clears throat> shout out. Now, granted, those of you that have listened along, those of you who listened to the last episode, I think it was the last episode. Or was it the episode before that? I don't know. When we talked about PowerCon, um, as you all know, you know, we are not very hyped about this new power kind. Um, but I will say I want to give a big shout out to friend of the show, Jeremy DeWitt, who is absolutely killing it with his advertisements for power kind. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, he's got that. He's got that awesome He-Man, Skeletor, Land Shark promotional video where he does the voices. Uh, he did some stuff with Mad Balls. He he's really been killing it. Um, very good marketing. Very very good ads. Um, it's the mm-hmm. best thing about PowerCon at this point, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So big shout out and congratulations to Jeremy. Yeah, I mean Jeremy could show Kevin Smith a thing or two on how to do those ads because I know Kevin Smith and Jay <laughs> did those ads when Revelation was coming out with the Origins I figures. I want to say, those. and, no, and just watching, right? Maybe it was Master. Yeah, it was Master Bruce. Yeah, because he kept Bruce. doing the whole nothing is nothing means anything anymore when he had Evil Lynn in his hand yeah. and he was doing the whole emo thing. But uh, yeah, he he's he's showing how it felt to play with these as kids instead of acting like a kid trying to play with this stuff. So uh, That's because he is still a kid. No, I know. That's all he is. Jeremy is is a big kid wrapped in a cuddly teddy bear. bear. That's all there is to it. I knew you were going to go there, too. You always go cuddly teddy bear whenever we talk about Jeremy. Every time. I'm telling you. I was counting it down in my head. Three, two, one. It's like it's like the guy just walked out of Build a Bear and you just want to hug him, you know? I mean it's just you know <laughs> I'm sure he means it as a compliment, Jeremy. He's it's it's either that or he's like the masters of uh, masters of the universe equivalent of Hagrid, you know? I mean <laughs> one or the other. I mean The views so. of Sean Scavarna do not necessarily reflect the views of Legends of Race podcast <laughs> nor its affiliates. Uh, we love you, Jeremy. We do love that, you, Jeremy. So. Congratulations. <laughs> Uh, so real quick here, let's jump over to some news so we can get past that and get to filmation. Yeah. Ba-da-ba-ba. Sean, you got the first image up here, and it is the art of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I had that book. Yes. The art of He-Man yeah. and the Masters of the Universe. I've got that. <laughs> We've that's been out for a while now, right? Not this one. This oh, one is this for one. the CGI Netflix show that you and I have both been raving about because we are enjoying it quite a lot. Um, so according to He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, a Netflix original series group on Facebook, I'm, I'm almost positive that is a David Clark uh, yeah. joint right there. <laughs> something official sounding, but it doesn't yeah. have the blue check mark. It's David Clark. Yeah, pretty much. Because he has the most official sounding unofficial groups (laughs) ever. He's good like that, yeah. He is. Uh, So the write-up says, Dark Horse has just announced the art of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, a hardcover book giving fans a look behind the scenes of the new animated series. The book is priced at $39.99, slated for release July 20th, 2022, and will be available for pre-order soon on Amazon. As with all of Dark Horse's art books, this volume features concept art, character and creature designs, creator commentary, and other material shedding light on the creation of He-Man's latest cartoon reboot. Very cool. I can't wait to see this. I can't wait. I'm hoping that this has, like the other art book has, lots of uh, concept art. Because I know Mm -hmm. we talked about during both our reviews that we'd really like to see the progression. Because you yeah. know they didn't just look at, you know, 80s Man-at-Arms and then 2000 X Man-at-Arms and then just go, here is, you know, CGI Man-at-Arms. Like, mm-hmm. I want to see that progress. What happened in between? What was left on the cutting room floor, maybe even? You know, where, yeah. maybe they 
maybe they were more ambitious originally, and they wanted there maybe there's characters we haven't seen yet. Um, mm-hmm. It should be a lot of fun, and that cover is amazing. They use that that the painting from the show, you know, the whole like, yeah. My, where's my uh, nemesis? You know, yeah. Painting the the yeah. evil masters versus the heroic masters head to head in the gray skull. Yeah, uh, yeah, it hung inside Castle Grayskull. Yeah, so and actually, uh, really quick uh, about the art books. Uh, this past weekend, I was over at uh, co-host of uh, Off World Jesse uh, Jesse Arnold's uh, apartment. He had the Revelation art book over there oh, and i, I got to take game. a look at yeah, that yeah. one yeah and what do you think? Is um, it worth the pickup i have to get that one yeah. i was really surprised because again part of what you and i both are looking forward to in the cgi book i didn't even think about it until i was looking through it the amount of there there's one page where i i want to say there's over 12 or more versions of the possible possibilities for the power sword yeah and there's different versions for he-man there's different there's different ways they might have done man at arms with the helmet off there was different versions of even the sorceress when Tila became the sorceress some of which i like better than what they did on the show um and they even the the other thing that i was really shocked by is they have a, an alphabet they created for the show so oh, some of the runes in there, yeah, yeah they, they, they legit are things. So you could read them using what the uh, codex in the book. And that had me just sitting there going, I, for as much trouble as the story is for me, this has made it even more interesting to watch that show. And I'd love to rewatch it, having that book at my, at my disposal. So I'm hoping they pick that one up at some point in the next few months. Uh, Cause that one, um, Where? that one definitely is, is a sweet read. So Where did he get it from? I would put money on, he probably got it through either Amazon or he, he works for our local comic shop. He might've put in a, an order that way, maybe. Okay. Cause Amazon's showing a May 3rd release date. It's still well, in pre-order at Amazon. Then so, I, I gotta get a hold of Jesse. Yeah, he might. I I wouldn't be surprised if he did a pre order through the comic shop. Um, so maybe check he, your local comic shops. Check check your local comic shops if you're interested in that book or the pre order. Like uh, Matt said, the pre order is only like another uh, what two weeks away. So yeah, but I want it. Now. Yeah, I know you want it now. That's why I check your local know. comic shop. <laughs> Support local. <laughs> Support local. Okay. <laughs> All right, next up, we have uh, Mantena, the evil spy with the top-out eyes. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is the Origins figure uh, in package. He's got the Evil Horde logo. Um, Axel Jimenez posted this earlier today. Unfortunately, it's only the front view. We don't get to see that wonderful art in the back. Um has a standard modern posing retro play burst and flavor text of eyes really pop out. So that action feature is intact. And it has this uh, 40th anniversary sticker that we saw in the package for that uh, Masterverse 
anniversary He-Man. Um, it looks yeah. like that's going to be on like everything coming out this year. It, it's mm-hmm. actually up where the instead of the new for twenty two or twenty one or whatever usually sits. Um, yeah. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think he also showed off. Was it the Roton? Um, he showed the packaging. He did. I, this oh, morning. I did not, gra- I did not grab and pictures of that. It, um, it did have that. It looks like it's going to be like a like a foil kind yeah, of stamp or something they do at the top. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. It it reminds me of like uh, the Star Wars line back in the day. They would do that to commemorate yeah. whatever year it was that the figure came out and twentieth anniversary or whatever. So that that is pretty cool. So the action features intact. He got uh he's got the four limbs, you know, or the four mm-hmm. legs. Six four legs. Um the blue still looks a bit dark. I don't but it's not bothering me as much anymore. I don't know if I'm just getting used to it or if it's slightly different shade here. Um mm-hmm. And right behind him, you can see that it is a new comic because of the Evil Horde logo. I can't even get a glimpse of the flavor text. But on the left-hand side of the package, you can see Sunman's sword, spear, whatever he has. And on the right side, you can see um, He-Man's 2000X power sword. So, mm. um, Interesting. And uh, so it looks like they're following the whole kind of idea of every figure that's in a wave has to be in the comic. So, and that that's kind of interesting because, I mean, we'll get into a bigger discussion on the Origins mini-comics another day, but it just, it's kind of interesting to me reading them because I feel it hinders the story sometimes. Um... Because back in the day, just because a figure was in a wave doesn't mean that he was featured in that mini-comic. Or again, mm-hmm. back in the day, they had multiple mini-comics per wave, you know. Yeah. So, you know, Spiker could still get his and, you know, someone else could get theirs. But, but yeah, like, like Evelyn, she wasn't in any of the mini-comics that came out in her wave. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of interesting. I think the most egregious so far has been the Horde Trooper wave where Skeletor just has Horde Troopers and they fight for him and no one questions it at all. <laughs> I don't know if you've read that one. But spoiler alert. No. But yeah, no, because I... the Horde Troopers are in that waves, they fight for Skeletor and that's it. You know, they're there. Like, <laughs> hmm. Ugh. I I actually think that's kind of cool. It, not not the horde trooper thing. That that that's weird. Uh, I think it's kind of cool that they want to have the highlight be here's all the figures we're putting out in this wave because then even if you didn't start at the beginning of it and you're a kid and you get some of these figures, you can look at that and kind of go, oh, here's the here's how they interact and here's the ones I can get right now or whatever. Um, because that that does have a little bit of like a shoot from the hip playability, you know, at least doing it in that way. But yeah, when you're starting to do stuff where Skeletor is now in charge of the Horde Troopers, that's a little like, eh, like that, that should have been a little more like, oh, they're, they're coming, uh, you know, like at the end of the book, it's almost like a foreshadowing or foreboding thing. Like here's the Horde Troopers and Skeletor's actually like scared or whatever. Cause obviously 
bigger That's problems are going to be on the you, horizon. If you can, if you can get all of them in there, and it makes a good story, absolutely go for it. Mm-hmm. But if you're shoehorning stuff in just to. Oh, it's in the wave, so it has to be in the story. That's where I have an issue with it. Like you, ah, we'll get into that discussion. That's this will be a big one. <laughs> I, I like that creativity, though. There is that like limiting yourself in storytelling to go. Here's what you're allowed to play with, and just see what you come up with. There's an element in that that I I think is cool, but like. Only if it's done where where it, the story is something you wouldn't have expected versus, like you said, the the, the horror trooper thing. I even as a kid, I don't think I would have ever mashed those up because right. that's Hordak on there. That's not Skeletor on that exactly. that bat symbol. So yeah. Last thing I want to point out about Mantena, which was a surprise to me, um, he is a regular release origin. He is not a deluxe figure. Um, I guess just because of the the eye functionality and the extra limbs. I mean, I thought they'd give him a few extra bits and bots, but I just I expect him to become a deluxe figure, you know, in the vein of Mosquito. Mm-hmm. So, uh, That's cool. Next up, we have Skeletor, the evil lord of destruction, in his quote-unquote 2000X style. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, he's got same mini-comic behind him, same packaging, 40th anniversary sticker, and the classic 2000X blue and white Masters of the Universe logo down on the bubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... <laughs> I like that you took a drink right there. Like, take it, Sean, and for me... Yours, buddy! <laughs> right in your lap let's do this um yeah i the initial um the initial image we saw when they were doing that week of releases there was that uh, like sweet you know like the the fact that they're going to 2000x and all this other stuff but seeing this one it really does feel i have to quote you uh it feels like the happy meal toy brought to life more than it feels like a 2000x version Yes, because uh, that that skull and the sculpt and all the horseman esqueness of that figure now are watered down into this, and it just it it doesn't pop in the same way that the originals did. I'm glad they're doing it because of that whole oh you know the line. Yeah. The line was canceled, and, da, 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 da. and I like that they're going there going, hey, maybe there's some life to this, but I just wish they would have had a little better sculpting for the head, and I, I miss that Havoc staff. That's right. that's one of the worst parts for me, is here's the normal Havoc staff when the other one had more feature and more well, character Well, that's just kind it. of the, the thing, like, the villains especially in the 2000X line, because of the Four Horsemen and their amazing sculptings, they were so detailed. And yeah. once you strip away that detailing, they lose what makes them that iteration. You know, yep. Skeletor having the regular bracers just colored in purple. No, 2000 Skeletor had those awesome, big, bejeweled, you know, gauntlets. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, him just having a, a regular basic, uh, um, 
the harness and everything. Like, it's just, it just, it's not there. You know, if you use too many basic Origins elements on this Skeletor, you lose everything that made him 2000X. And like you said, how can, and especially look at the He-Man. How can He-Man get three 2000X specific weapons and Skeletor can't come with one? Mm. You know? Um, well, I guess he does come with the, the sword, but it doesn't pull apart. But yeah, like how can He-Man get all of his weapons and Skeletor has to get a, not even a repainted Havoc staff. I guess mm-hmm. even if they had repainted that Havoc staff to get the multiple color, you know, uh, the paint apps, you know, maybe that would have even helped a little bit. But, like, nope, here's just literally Origins, purple, all purple staff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. it's just, uh, same with you, I appreciate that they're following this era, but the Skeletor definitely came up a bit short, unfortunately. Yeah. Which takes us to the man himself, He-Man, in the 2000X style. Um, same comic, 40th sticker, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but yeah, and he, he, he looks awesome. He's got that new belt. He's got the new harness, complete new harness, you know. The bracers mm-hmm. are the same, but painted silver. Um, I don't know. Is it just me, or do you think they went chrome on that shield? That is a very uh, shiny shield in that packaging. I don't think they went chrome, but they did a really good job of finding uh, a nice metallic paint. If that's paint, that is amazing. Because look at that compared to the bracers and the belt and mm-hmm. everything. It's, it's, man, if, if that's paint, they need to send that paint over to Brian Flynn so that he can use it <laughs> on one of Silver the Silverhawks. <laughs> Well, I was going to no, say, I, let's not be crude here. Sorry. <laughs> the thoughts of views. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, no, honestly, oh. this one is hitting on a lot of levels. I was not expecting it to, even though I was excited, because that, that harness looks freaking great. And, um, I mean, the even the figure, the, the face, I know it has the 2000X uh, hair, but the face looks the most classic-looking He-Man that I've seen the line do in quite a while. Like, even the classic-looking He-Man one they were doing doesn't come close to what that... And, and that's, uh, again, the angle is more of a downshot, so I really can't say right. for sure. But it looks it looks pretty darn close for me. I like it. I like it. I think, I think if I see this on the shelf, I would pick it up. Same here. You know, yeah. Honestly, I might even leave him on card. That that's I I don't know if I need him off card. You know what I mean? Hmm. I yeah, I'm up in the air myself about that because like I don't have many origins, so it's like right. Where do I? I, I might do it. I might you know? do it. And, it, and it also has the 40th sticker on there. Right, it's got the 40th. 40th you know, sticker, it's, it's got, got that whole vibe. Yeah, yeah. This that might be one that I just kind of hang up on the wall. You know, yeah. Punch that! I punch that hole out. You know, anger everybody, and uh, <laughs> just hang him up there. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. Yeah, nice job, Mattel. I don't say it often on your origins line, but nice job. <laughs> um, 
And last up, we have a surprise reveal this morning that Sean assures me is legitimate. I had my doubts. Um, but this is the Masterverse. I'm calling it New Eternia Zodak. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Sean, I don't know what picture you saw. I probably want to send you this picture because mine has a few different poses and it shows that uh, the a lot of that armor is removable. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's looking... I guess what threw me real quick here is the head, because the head looks almost completely vintage. So that's what kind of put me towards, oh, that must be a custom. Even though he has a lot of newish parts to him, that head is so vintage, and I know in New Eternia especially, they've been trying to do a lot of uh, alternate looks and everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's got kind of the traditional Zodak armor with the the loincloth piece in the front that the 2000X Zodak, Zodak kind of had. Uh, he's got the shoulder pauldrons. He's got a blaster on his leg. Han Solo-esque, um, and mm-hmm. going down to his clawed monster feet, like the vintage. Um, and he comes with the gun, and then he comes with the staff, like 2000X, uh, that can also break into two pieces, kind of a Daredevil Billy Club style, looking when he's holding it like that. Yeah. Yeah, I was not expecting the amount of versatility with this figure, the yeah. way they did on here. Yeah, the um, shoulder pauldrons come off, so you can just have the classic armor. I, it doesn't show up, but I'm sure that gun holster has to come off as well. If not, it'd be pretty easy to take it off. Um, so yeah, you can... I guess it, the only thing is he's stuck with that front cloth hanging down, regardless, it seems. But yeah, you could go the new look or pretty much the classic look, depending on your whim. Yeah. Actually, with the pauldrons on, he he had it. I don't know if you remember the show or not, but uh, Captain Power. Because that was a Mattel property. That was, was the one where you could shoot your TV and it yep. would blow things up, supposedly. I remember, never I remember for me. the ads, but I never had them or saw it or anything. I remember it, he, he's, spot, so. he's really looking Captain Power with that look now which is is killing me but i know i like that you could take the staff apart which i mean the staff was 2000x from classics basically right and yeah i like that they actually gave him the uh holster since he's never had that (laughs) that's like one of those little little tiny things but it's like yeah where is he putting the gun when he doesn't want to hold (laughs) on to it all the time you know um, oh. and, and I don't mind that, that cloth piece in front of the loincloth, actually, that actually, it makes him look a little more like regal or, you know, yeah. there's that, like, it, it almost elevates him to a different level than like He-Man just having the loincloth and all that stuff. So that's kind of, it, it's, there's little things. It's like Zodak's one of those figures that as I've gotten older, I've actually appreciated him a heck of a lot more than when I was a kid. And I'm here to make sure that you're not going too far one way or the other. It's like, that was like your mom showing up when you were playing with your toys, you know? This is definitely (laughs) a little more warrior. I think uh, they they took me by surprise, but I think I like those pauldrons on there. Like, it makes him look a bit more warrior-esque, a bit more ready Mm -hmm. to throw down. 
Yeah. The holster is the only thing I'm kind of like, man, I'm, I might take that off of my... I don't know, it just... It's... Man, that's yeah. got to gotta chafe like a mother, right? <laughs> like, I mean, two yeah, straps yeah, right around your upper thigh, your bare upper thigh, I mean... Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, hey, you know, if you're a master of the universe, you can take it, I guess. You can you take know what it. I mean? you, can, you can lotion that up and you'll be just fine. <laughs> I just to me it's a little too Han Solo esque. Like that's what I think of when I see it. I think of Han Solo in that. Zodak has definitely never been that kind of character for me. Um, sure. So I think if I end up getting him, I'll probably take the holster off, but leave the pauldrons. So. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind yeah. of think I, I don't know. I mean, they show the breakdown, so I'm guessing not. But honestly, I expected something else with the head too. Something to take him because. Like I said, that is a vintage head right there. Um, there's, mm-hmm. And that's kind of been their easy go-to with the, the He-Man, the Skeletor, the Beast-Man, like doing something with the head to be like, even Jitsu, you know, he had that mask. Yeah. You know? So this is the first one that's just kind of like, nope, he just got Zodak head. So that that's a little interesting. Hmm. He's a unique enough looking figure that for me, them not really do it. it like everything else about him is so much more like oh that yeah. you know it's like okay the head is now it's not as unique because that's just zodak like you said it looks very you know vintage right but in this case it makes sense it, it's like one or the other do you want the body to look different or do you want the top to look a little more you know and and honestly uh i want it the, all. i'm a master I, I, want I, it all I, and I want it my I way and i want it now Burger King. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, the the other thing uh, I saw today, which I know you and I had the uh, the moment about, but uh, their new, I guess it's new attorney and beast man. Yes, um, he looks freaking great with that fur yeah. on him. I didn't yeah. see him with the fur. Uh, uh, like the initial photos, I don't remember having with the fur. It was showing. It, no, it it's was an option. Shot. Yeah, it was on the side. What did you think so, of that silhouette of New York? Yeah. What about Beast the Man? silhouette? <laughs> what about that silhouette? What about it? What about it? <laughs> well, now it can be told because that was driving both of us crazy, and we argued that on the show at least twice. And I forgot to put And I held my ground. I'm like, the- that is not Skeletor. <laughs> well, I said Skeletor or Beastman. Remember, those are the two I was down to. And I was flying. I remember Skeletor. I'll go with that. Because <laughs> that was. I was supposed to put up that poll, and then we started Motu March Madness, and I completely forgot about that. Yeah. As I, yeah. As we were, I was going to. That was where the two options I could say is it Skeletor or is it Beast Man? Because I was between mm-hmm. the two of them. But you were adamant that it was mm-hmm. neither of them. <laughs> That's what I remember. I was I was adamant that it was because that was the thing. Like it, everything about that silhouette looked like it would be a CGI one, but then okay, right. I, that it is Beast Man. I was wrong that it wasn't CGI Beast Man though, because uh, that that now is revealed that is the silhouette, and their marketing is still weird to me for that <laughs> reason. Like like now, it, literally a month later, we're getting all of this new stuff. Um, well. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it hasn't been quite a month yet, but it, we got all about that. Yeah, we got all these new images, and it's like none of it lined up with half the stuff that we got to see then. And we were it arguing. It was surprising that they didn't release all everything all at once. So I'll give yeah. you, that, you know, but there. 
But again, there's also been a drought since then. So I think they kind of blew their yeah. shot there. And now they're like, okay, yeah. well, we need to wait to release some of the in packaging. We're going to sprinkle that out bit by bit yeah. later. Um, I still, looking at the Beast Man, just real quick here, I didn't. I don't have the images, guys, sorry. But I still wish, you know, because that, that bird harness and that bear helmet, you know, are supposed to be reminiscent of the original Mark Taylor concept art for, you know, Red Beast, Beast Man. I don't know why they didn't just make that bear piece an extra head instead of a helmet. Because looking at the pictures of him with it on... Obviously, that fur harness really evokes, because uh, I know the post I saw had the concept art there, too. And so that fur harness really evokes what Mark was going for there. Mm-hmm. But that bear helmet on top of Beastman's head really doesn't evoke that part of it. I think you could have just made that a second head, and you would have sold twice as many figures, because I think everybody would have wanted to display him with that with the Beastman head and with the, that bear head. So that's a, that's mm-hmm. the only part of him that I'm like, well, that's kind of odd, you know, making that, because it wasn't a helmet in the concept art. It was his head. So yeah. that's the only part that's still kind of like scratching my head. Like, Mattel, you always got to make like one questionable decision. It's like, you're just of course, 100%. Otherwise, we wouldn't have much to talk about. We'd be like, everything's great. We're good. Everything's great. No problems. Everything's awesome. Thanks for tuning in. Like, <laughs> Everything is awesome. And we'll see you next time. I I got to admit that that fur, though, uh, like the, the initial, the plastic one, or maybe it's rubbery or whatever, it's like, okay, that's your typical beastman. But when you see the fur, there is this, like, holy crap, that made him a whole different looking oh, figure. Yeah, sure. So, yep. um, so if I grab one of those, he will be displayed with the fur because that that looks more terrifying. It makes him a literal like he looks like a hulking figure now compared. He's like a two thousand X more with the four on with that. all the extra armor pieces. You know the leg mm-hmm. armor, the 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 pauldrons, all that. Yeah, with everything on, mm-hmm. he's he's massive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with your filmation review of the Masters Quest for the Soul. Stay tuned. Legends of Grayskull will be back right after these messages. Hey, guys, Matt here. Just wanted to take this opportunity to share with you the trailer for Action Figure Adventure Season 2 from the great mind of Rob McCallum and starring Jay Bartlett where they embark on their now annual quest to raise money for Children's Health Foundation. Uh, Check out the trailer and if you're interested, please consider supporting them on Kickstarter. Link is in the comments down below. Action Figure Adventure is a quest. We are building the ultimate action figure auction looking to get 10 key items where all the proceeds will go to Children's Health Foundation. What do you think would be a fair price for the two of those guys? How about this? You buy Starscream at $400, and I give you Soundwave for free. Oh. The 
legendary Heroes Comics, baby. Treehouse Collectibles in Toronto. We're here at Cape and Cowell. Here we are at Retro Rewind. That'll fit in the car, right? So am I going to get cursed if I grab this? No. The sticker here is just insane. What's the price on the Battle Beast? I have 400 on the sealed Battle Beast box. Jay is one of the more openly passionate people that I've encountered across my different adventures in life. He's got that passion and that want and that desire to find those toys, to have conversations about those toys. He's taking it upon himself to utilize the knowledge and the base and the toys of what he's done to create and drive this cause, this mission. I've worked with the Children's Health Foundation for about six or seven years now. And uh, if I can do anything to help them out, even just a little bit, it's well worth it. I think toys change and transform us because it gives us something tangible that we can hold in our hands and, and actually take action with. I absolutely think that this is, it's, it's more than just play. I think it is a big part of development in young children. It allows kids to just be without, you know, so many rules or, you know, boxes that they have to try to fit in. It, it helps them grow and discover things about themselves that they might not have discovered elsewise. Because they're not watching a screen or people saying, this is how you need to do something. They get to decide. They get to choose their own adventures. I mean, who wouldn't want to get into a van with their best friend and buy toys? And then at the end of this great journey, you get to take the toys and give it back to kids in need. It's, it's everything. That's why I love these adventures. You don't know what's going to happen. And now, back to Legends of Greyskull. Hello everybody and welcome back to Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history of the mystery of the magic and the mythology. Right now we're about to discuss the mythology of Filmation. Season 1, episode 56, Quest for the Sword. Uh, this episode was written by Mark Richards, directed by Ed Friedman. The script was approved on May 31st, 1983. With the final script revision of June 3rd, 1983. It's a real quick turnaround there. Um, Sean, do you remember this episode from childhood? I do, actually. Um, it was it was one of those episodes... Like, any time that you had something that was pretty pivotal, like, you know, the, the power sword in this right. case... Being, you know, like, obviously He-Man doesn't have it through most of the episode. And that always had me on the edge of my seat because it's like, well, what happens, you know? And it's, it's like, Revelation took it 10 steps further with what happens. This one, it was very much like, he can't become Adam again? How does that work? Well, and even, you know, addressing that in the story, him with his worries and concerns. And that's the interesting part, right? Because we, we've seen disappearing it. We've seen, you know, um, pawns of the game master. Like, Adam has lost his sword before. This is the only episode where He-Man loses his sword. You know, mm-hmm. and that's and that's what always caught my... Granted, I love Dispirinac and pawns of the game master. But like you said, it takes it into a whole new light. 
flipping that script where it's like, oh no, he's already He-Man. Like, we're good there. We got He-Man. And then mm-hmm. you, especially as a kid, I'm like, oh, shoot, I never thought about if he, if he couldn't be Adam again. You know, and this, this is an episode that hooked me from when I was a child. I had this on VHS, you know, recorded off the rentals. I had very few actual, you know, magic window <laughs> cassettes. But, yeah, this is one I, I would go back to uh, again and again because it, it, it is so interesting, you know. So, uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Now, we're doing things a little bit different here today, guys. Like Sean alluded to earlier, we're actually taking it back more old school. Uh, we've got a dinged quite a bit on YouTube recently for our fast and loose uh, video sharing. So uh, we're going to kick it old school where we're actually going to walk you through the episode. Um, a few surprises along the way, I'm sure. So sit back, relax, and let's jump into Quest for the Sword. We open the episode with that familiar intro. No matter how many times I see it, it always tickles my fancy. That filmation music, that opening score. Oh, every time I feel like I'm a kid again. Absolutely. Uh, after the title <laughs> cards, uh, we start with a uh, cliche, very filmation tradition of the pan across space. We center on Eternia. We pan mm-hmm. down into the forest and I, I know that's, growing up, I know that that's like, hey, the runtime came in and we need like 30 more seconds to fill this episode. And you're like, mm-hmm. all right, let's pan from space. <laughs> but as a kid, I loved it. I loved every time they would truck across, we get that great shot of the planet. We get the scenery, you know. I don't know, it just, it felt like you were just joining in, like, on the world, right? Like, we don't have to jump right into the action. Like, let's just, let's just ease into it, you know? Sure. Well, that, and also, there's certain sound effects on this series that you don't get them anywhere else, and so that'll transport you back to your childhood no matter what, and that sound of the outer space dinging that they do, I don't know a better way of describing (laughs) it, but that definitely pulls me back to being four and five again sitting there in front of the tv after school so oh yeah i could i don't even have to see it i could be in the other room and just hear that and i'm like oh we're going mm-hmm. across space and we're, we're <laughs> zooming into eternia perfect yep. let's do it yeah, uh um, as we get down into the forest uh we come across a river you see two children standing on the side um just looking off into the forest as we hear Orko's his theme music kicks in and you know antics are about to happen. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, we see that little trollin floating across the screen, levitating a bucket of water behind him. I'm sure this will not turn out bad for anybody. This will be fine. Especially man-at-arms, yes. <laughs> uh, or man-at-arms. Orko notices the children and starts to amuse them by making the bucket dance. Also perfectly safe. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, yeah. man-at-arms and Tila are setting up camp. They have uh, a fire. Tila's gathering firewood. Man-at-arms is trying to start a fire in a very old flashing 
Flint Spark method. Uh, Tila makes fun of him, saying that there are more modern ways to start a fire. Just as Duncan manages to catch the wood ablaze and smoke starts coming up, Orko loses control of the bucket, splashing it onto Man-at-Arm's head and also dousing the little fire that he had managed to start. Uh, Adam walks up at that moment and remarks that there are more modern ways to stay cool, Duncan. And see, Sean's <laughs> laughing. I, it works! Yes, it's Orko. It it's does. goofy! But by it God, it, it makes you chuckle. I like seeing Adam and Tila in sync. And I think it's really important for this episode. You know, so many times we see them at odds, but right here it's kind of like, no, at the at the end of the day, they're friends. They grew up together, they're mm-hmm. best friends, maybe more than that someday, you know. So it was kind of nice to see them both, like, ragging on man-at-arms in a similar fashion. Like, it, it's refreshing to see. A lot of times Tila gets so typecast as the nag, the you know, the soldier, that it's fun to see. No, she can goof around, too. And this is just kind of a fun camping trip. Yeah, exactly. Attila <laughs> uh, sees that Adam is carrying an iron vine and that it doesn't make very good firewood. Uh, Adam says that he found it in the forest and thought he would get in some fishing. Orko lets us know that iron vine is so strong it can catch a dragon whale which I would love to see a dragon whale. So we've got mm-hmm. Iron Vine, we've got dragon whales. Iron Vine is super, super strong. I'm sure that's just random information that we'll, we will not need at any point during this episode. None whatsoever. Nope. <laughs> um, Duncan is still attempting to dry off from the water bucket that was dumped on him. Orko tells him to flap his arms and he'll dry faster. <laughs> Sure. I hate that I'm laughing so much at this stuff because he was not an Orko fan. But there are moments. There are moments on this show. Oh, there is. And this is good Orko. This is not, you know, he's not interrupting the plot. He's not, you know, he's not hindering it. He's not acting like a child so much even, like. You know, he did it to entertain, to show off for the kids, right? He's mm-hmm. not doing it just because, oh, I want to go play. No. Yeah. He was trying to show off. His magic messed up. He's a troll and then he turned it. It, it happens. It happens to the best of us. But sure. To every guy. Just as Orko starts flapping his wings. Shake your arms. It's easier. Like, like this. Will you stop it? doing it. The volcano's erupting. As the volcano erupts, it splits the ground open, and those kids that we saw earlier are stuck on one side of this canyon, and their mother is stuck on the other side. Um, At the same time, a bunch of rocks fall away from the side of a mountain, uh, revealing a tunnel, uh, which we see a rock monster slowly climb out. And, of course, he's on the same side of the kids. Uh, kids are freaking out. Mother's freaking out. Yeah. Bad times. Orko mm-hmm. says that he will float over the canyon and get them, but Adam says he can't because of the downdraft, and it will suck him down. Remember that. Strong downdraft. It's going to suck Orko down if he attempts to. Mm-hmm. 
Adam goes to Cringer and says, Run that way toward the forest. Oh, good. I thought maybe you were thinking of... I am. Now get going. And don't come back when I call you. I need a reason to get out of sight. And as Cringer runs away, Adam waits for him to get far enough and then calls after him. Cringer, wait, come back! And unfortunately, has to take off after him. Much to yeah. his chagrin. <laughs> um, I like this. I, I liked I liked him using Cringer's, you know, tendency to run away as an excuse for him to go transfer. I thought this was one of the better ones of the series as far as, oh, I just remembered something I have to do. Yeah, I completely agree. Because, like, when you see the planning that he puts into how he does it, I, yeah. I really enjoyed that for once rather than it just being like a spur of the moment. I'm going to run you know, or right. whatever. And so I, I did like that quite a lot where it's like, it makes sense. It's in character for Cringer to run away. I get a chance to get away from everybody. Perfect. Right. Exactly. Great setup. Um, yes. Teal remarks, you know, how can Adam run away? She's all mad. We're back to, we're back to normal captain of the guard. Teal now. So we're typical. Go. Yes. Um, so Adam catches up with Cringer lifts his sword aloft, and says... By the power of Oh, the newly transformed He-Man and Battle Cat rush back. Well, they rush back to Tila in Man's Arms. They are just arriving, miraculously, at the right time, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ground, the, the canyon is even wider now. And He-Man remarks that it's so wide, even Battle Cat can't jump over it now. Alright. I know it's a kid's show. I know it's Filmation. But, okay. So before, Orko couldn't float across it because of a downdraft. But He-Man's plan was for Battle Cat to jump over it? <laughs> uh, yeah. There's I a couple moments in this that. episode that yeah. just kind of trip me up, you know, and this is this is one of them. Mm-hmm. I the way the way I looked at that though, I, I almost want to say it was like, okay, we already established the downdraft is there, and on top of that, now it's even more perilous because the divide is even that much farther. Right. And that was enough for for it to be like this is a you know extraordinary circumstance. So I don't. I think it would have been more. He wasn't going to make him jump. It was more of just a. Well, this is a bigger problem than it was literally it was, thirty seconds ago when I was out here. You know? That's what I agree. I, I think it's already perilous enough. You know the demographic. Yeah. We've already established we can't just go over. Like I, I yeah. it just seemed like an unnecessary line. To exactly. Like reiterate. So the rock monster is getting closer to the children. Uh, the mother's freaking out. Teal is trying to comfort her. Uh, Adam, or sorry, He-Man finds this iron vine laying on the ground and uh, says that this should work. Ties one end of the iron vine around his sword, tosses it across, sticking the sword into the ground on the other side.
Get the children. Luckily, the downdraft is no match for He-Man's throwing prowess. Um, True. <laughs> as He-Man... He should throw a battle cat. <laughs> Throw Orko. Throw Orko. Fastball special. <laughs> but the the sword sticks in the ground on the other side, and He Man pulls and pulls. And uh, great animation here, I gotta say. He Man really struggles to get that 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 chasm closed. Um, mm hmm. I think I just I think the animators did a really good job on it, really making it show that no, he's he's working for this. This isn't this isn't push the moon, he man. This is no. my powers have limits. Yeah, and and that's that's definitely I appreciated that in this one because push the moon, he man. Even as a kid, I was I would roll my eyes. This it's like you can tell he's really forcing this to close to get right. those kids into safety. So, you know, I appreciate that at least. Absolutely. Uh, He-Man does finally get the, the chasm closed enough to where Duncan can jump across, grab the children and jump back across. He makes it just in the nick of time as He-Man loses his grip. The rope, the iron vine goes slipping through his hands. The smoke pours off. Um, yeah. And the chasm opens back up. Children are safe, but the sword and the iron vine are stuck on the other side. He-Man remarks that he's going to use the Wind Raider to fly over and get his sword back. And I'm going to find Adam and tell him what I think of his running away. She won't find him till He-Man gets the sword back. That could be a problem. As He-Man flies across in the Wind Raider... The rock monster grabs the sword out of the ground, takes the iron vine off of it, and we find out that this monster can speak, as mm -hmm. he now proclaims himself Raybar, leader of the rock people. He-Man makes it across. Why don't you give me back my sword and just be a great guy? I do like how politely he asks Raybar. You know, this yeah. is this is pure <laughs> filmation, He Man, right here. Absolutely, he. You know, he basically it gives you that. I don't want any trouble here. Right. I just want what I have. I'm good to go. Yeah. <laughs> the kids are safe. You're out. Yeah. I think even He Man at this point is kind of realizing that this monster is more intelligent than he first thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because real quick here, up to, and, and, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say, like, in the series, because Filmation definitely wasn't written chronologically necessarily, you know. It's not a, you have to watch episode one, two, three, four, five. But for me as a kid, what I'd seen up to this point, when I first see the rock monster, Raybar, I'm going, oh, it's another rock monster. Every time we'd seen mm -hmm. these guys up to this point, they'd just been creatures, yeah. You know what I mean? So so it's kind of us and He-Man going like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Speak. Yeah. They've never us been sentient. Everybody. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so. and typically, I mean, how many times have we seen on Filmation, you know, the minute that any rock monster shows up, you get that standard He-Man reeling right. back and just going for a punch. And yeah, exactly. Like him hearing him talk, it's that 
I just want the sword and then I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I, just, I, need that, I need that thing in your hand. Yeah. That was mine. I left it here. Come on. Um, Raybard uh, does not agree. <laughs> no. And no. This actually results in a pretty good fight by Filmation standard. I've got to get closer, but how do you get closer to a runaway windmill? Raybar is swinging that sword more aggressively than He-Man has in a while. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, the, you know, He-Man dodging, uh, Raybar, you know, he's, he's swinging with all his might, uh, He-Man manages to, to get the Iron Vine, and he's using that to, you know, he wraps it around his forearms, and he's just gonna have to take the blows from the Sword of Power, and you kinda, I like that. you get the, He-Man's on his back foot here, you know, he's yeah. taken by surprise by the Rock Monster, he's, doesn't have his sword, he has to. He's trying to be very defensive because he doesn't want to hurt this innocent creature. I mean, he really hasn't done anything besides pick up a sword that was in the ground. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Trying not to escalate, but I do like the the iron mine. I guess we made that joke of. Well, it, that's not going to have anything to play out in here. <laughs> and I like that. Shortly after that, yeah. Not only is it helpful in bridging the the chasm right. so that he can do that. But then literally, like, another minute later, he's using it as a way of defending himself against somebody because that's how it's, it, like, the versatility of this is really cool. And I don't know. It, it never showed up again in a, in the episodes that I, 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 I get, granted, I know there's people that would probably go, yeah, it did, if it had. But I like that this is an addition in this episode that it does come in handy more than just once. Right and done, you know. So, yeah, no, and I, I can't think off the top of my head of it of it officially making another appearance, but uh, it is a good addition to the lore. I agree. Yeah. Um. At this moment, a another smaller rock creature. Don't feel too comfortable calling them monsters anymore. Let's go creature for right now. Uh, yeah, jumps creature. out at He Man trying to help Raybar. He ends up knocking He-Man down, and He-Man, um, He-Man's really feeling the, the situation. You know, like you said, he was trying to de-escalate it. He's like, okay, now there's a second one. He's attacking me. He's got the sword. He's like, all right, I need to end this. Like, we need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, so He-Man comes up with the idea of just trying to, again, he's not trying to hurt Raybar, but he definitely wants to, to, to finish this. So he ties the Iron Vine around a rock. And uses it to try and hit Raybar's hand, hopefully forcing him to drop the sword. Um, unfortunately, he misses, ends up wrapping the rock and the iron vine around a tree limb, which is very lucky for him because that pesky volcano goes off again. He man loses his footing and slips into the chasm, um, holding on to just the iron vine. Yeah, and at this moment, I would not blame him to feel like Sigourney Weaver in Galaxy Quest and yell, whoever wrote this episode should get <laughs> shot! Because he's not <laughs> having the best of days as of right now. Um, and one thing 
animation wise, uh, this moment confused me when I was watching it because you said that it was a smaller rock monster that showed up the second one, but then later on, it's a bigger one. It's the same size as Raybar or close to it. And I, it was like the perspective they used there made it look like it was a baby when it first shows up on the scene. It looked yeah. like it was like half the size of He-Man, but then it becomes a same, almost the same size as Raybar. And I'm like, yeah, I got lost there. there there's always- a few moments in this episode that do that to me. Like there's For some sure. really good action, like you said, but then there's also these perspective moments that mess with my head. And this was one of the first that I can remember that, that had me going. It, I thought it was a baby at first. I was like, oh, it's going to be even more of a thing. And then, no, it's just, he, he's like, oh, crap, there's he's two a- of them now. And they're, you know, formative well, or whatever. Yeah, we'll find out this one's name is Togar. But, yeah, Togar is always smaller than Raybar. But, yeah, definitely in this first appearance, he seems a lot smaller. Yeah. He, he ultimately is only a head shorter. Um, exactly. So, yeah, just... A little bit of animation error there. Well, I, I mean, both of these designs have shown up in other episodes, so it's honestly mm-hmm. probably the reuse where they reuse that that diving scene from another episode where he was a smaller creature. Yeah, and you know, it, it is what it is. It's like I, I understand yeah. the method of filmation, but that was one of those like. It, it, on first watch, I was like, wait a minute. And, and it's like, it, it works itself out in the wash, basically, with the rest of the story. So, absolutely. Uh, so, The Rock, I guess we can call them people safely at this point. They take this opportunity to head off. They head back into that, that hole in the mountain, back to wherever they came. He Man is down in the chasm. And that pesky ground. Get out! Come! As he makes it out, the volcano explodes one last time, causing an avalanche and the entrance that Raybar went through to be sealed off once again. He-Man heads over and starts punching his way in, moving rocks. Um, But every time he moves a rock, it just causes about 20 more to slide into its place. Orko mentions that it's going to take He-Man a week to dig all that out. He's right, which means that Adam and Cringer won't be seen for a week. Among other things... I wouldn't want Tila to have that long to think about Adam's disappearance. And just then, Tila walks up, uh, remarking that she cannot find Adam. Uh, He-Man says that they're going to head back to the palace to get a battle ram to make their way into the mountain. Remember that. Uh, we jump back <laughs> to the palace. 
Oh, come on. Those, those filmation transitions are great. <laughs> no, but like I can picture you as a kid playing with your figures and you're like, okay, we got to go here. <laughs> oh, I did. I did. You I did? literally <laughs> would take my toy power sword and I would make it spin. You would do- I did that every now and then too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought I was but- the only one. <laughs> yeah. No, I would, to- I would totally cut scenes like that when I was yep. playing. Absolutely. Yep. I, it's amazing the effect that the animation for any any show, not just human, but any yep. show that I grew up with, I would do that kind of stuff just because I'm like, what's part of what they do? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so back at the palace, the heroes are gathered. Uh, Ram Man has also joined the quest here. Um, he says that he's he's going to help them try and get through there. So we got He Man. Man at Arms, Tila, Orko, Ram Man, Battle Cat. We're gonna head. We got the battle ram. We're gonna head back to the mountain. But before that, the heroes have an interesting conversation. Still no luck finding him, eh? He and Cringer are probably out picking daisies somewhere. Maybe I'm being too harsh. There was nothing he could do to help the children anyway. Still, he shouldn't have run off, and he should be told. Maybe if you tell him, it will sink in. I promise you, Tila, Adam will know how I feel about the whole thing. If you find him, he's never around when you are anyway. Yeah, you know, I don't think I ever seen the two of you together. It is strange that your paths seldom cross. Powers just will it that way, I guess. <clears throat> Enough talk. Let's go get your sword from the Rockmen before they hurt themselves or someone else with it. And then you can help me find Adam. I'm sure that once I've gotten my sword back, I'll be able to produce Adam. Good. <laughs> I sure can't wait to hear you telling him what you think of him. And it's nice to see this addressed. I uh, This is one of the, my favorite parts of the secret identity story-wise, is getting these moments where, you know, people are like, you know what, have, have you two met? Have you two been in the same place? You know, and of course, He Man's just—he's sweating bullets. He's like, "Hey, let's let's not talk about this right now. Like, we we got we got stuff to do, you know." Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and and of course, the little lines in there, right? That that work because we know the secret. You know, oh, I'm sure Adam knows exactly how I feel. You know, mm-hmm. or or even his, his his you know you know Tila saying she's gonna she's gonna continue to find Adam. And, 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 you know, she asks He-Man to, to talk to him when she finds him. And he, you know, he's like, he, he's, his, uh, you know, as soon as, don't worry, Tila, once I get my sword back, I'm sure I'll be able to produce Adam. Yeah. You know, it's, it's those little lines where you're just like, ha, I see what you did there. <laughs> it's one of those things where if the secret ever came out, he could be like, well, no, I never really lied to you. You yeah. can ask the right questions. Exactly. I, this this episode made me wish that they would have done what the Golden Books did. Where we have, the, I, I forget which Golden Book it is, but it's the one where at the end of it, then uh, Adam and He-Man are in the same place because Orko turns oh, into yeah. Adam to save face for him. And I would have, I would have loved if they would have done that here. Because again, one of the, it, like, I know, uh, Scott Knight, like, did that whole, oh, he's a spy and that thing 
it made a lot of fans unhappy. I still think it would have been cool if they would have had Orko be a stand-in Adam for him at times so that his secret was safer on the show, and they never did that. That could have been... The newspaper strips did that, I know. I don't remember a golden book up there, but I know the newspaper strips did. I'm I'm sure you're right. I'm just saying I can't. It's the one with the land shark in it, if I remember right. It's uh, Orko gets captured by Skeletor on the land shark, and then by the end of it, I think... Uh, Teal ends up like Adam and He Man are both standing there, and Teal right. is like, "Oh my god!" You know, so like I, I really wish that they could have played that up on filmation in general. I thought that would have been a good use for him as a character, and unfortunately, but, uh, like you said, newspaper strips, golden books—they never ever went here right. on the series. Unfortunately, and we get we get kind of close to that at the end here, but not quite. Yeah. We might circle back to this topic. That might have hit a little yeah. harder at the end there. But, uh... Oh, I lost my thought that I was going to put out there, so I guess I'm good. Um, it, it, it's fun kind of seeing Ram Man being the impetus, too. You know, he's always been portrayed as the slow guy because he hits stuff with his head. But this, this is the second time in the series where Ram Man's the one that's kind of like, hmm... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he... <laughs> He's so simple that he's brilliant type of thing. I yeah. like that. I like that angle. So, Well, it's that, that whole out of the mouths of babes kind of a thing, you know? Exactly. Like he, he, he's not a deep thinker, but he does know one and one make two, and it, he, it makes him just have that, well, that's it. hey, wait a minute. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't get caught up in the, well, Adam's lazy and cowardly. He-man's heroic and strong. He's just like, you know, I've never seen you two Exactly. Because he hasn't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The, yeah. You know, Tila, Tila gets hung up on that too often. You know, everyone else, to, you know. No, Adam, he's he's completely different personality-wise. There's no way. Like you said, yeah. man, just one, one. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we head back to the mountain. Uh, Tila is off now <laughs> looking for Adam. She's of course. The rest of the episode. Have fun, Tila. I'll have to have a search party after her then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rayman makes an attempt to knock the rocks away. He gets knocked on his butt. He Man notes that he told Rayman that it would he wouldn't be able to do it. Rayman suggests that we try out Man at Arms laser pistol that he always carries on his belt. Right there. See it? Do you see it? <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> I always love that in shows when they act like, oh, that's that. Oh, you mean my locket that I always wear? You- <laughs> yes, I have. You know, I, I just love that, that point. You're, you're not a true fan if you didn't know that right. was always there all the time. How could you? Man at Arms always has his laser pistol hanging right on the belt with no holster. Magnetic, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, when, when we start the show, he's shooting out of his wrists. I mean, right. geez, you know, I mean, hey, sorry, I did not notice your belt when you're doing will, this at right. me on the beginning. I will say, you know, Filmation <laughs> gets a lot of grief about the no weapons thing, but I always did like how they kept, because. Especially in the 80s designs, like, there's not a lot of room. You know what I mean? Like, the classics did a good job of giving them spots and holsters yeah. and everything else. 
But the 80s toys really didn't have that. And so the way Filmation kind of worked around the no weapons and the designs really practically not being able to hold weapons with, like, the pop-up wrist cannons and stuff. I always did like that. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. You know, they they did what they could. Yeah. Um, and tried to make it make sense. Even the stuff that didn't necessarily make sense, but, like, He-Man pulling the grappling hook out of his waistband and, like, popping it out. Like, just a yeah. little stuff like that. It's like, well, they at least made an effort to be like, this is how he could have it. You know, yeah. So I mean, two, I liked I liked that they had the pouch in two thousand X, but the fact that it was right in front of his loincloth makes it a little. <laughs> if if he's off camera just enough, it's not going to look good for him to be pulling something out. Hey, oh, look what I got! Hey, excuse excuse me while hey, I whip this out. <laughs> I got something in here. Yes, yes. I got something for this. Yeah. So yeah. Um, no, I, I like that too. And I, when I was a kid, it was so easy. If if you didn't have the weapon for like man at arms, it's like okay, you got the armor piece on. Pew! It just right. does that. That's what You're I'm saying. Go. Exactly. Imagination, you know. Yep. Um, oh, laser can. Oh, uh, He Man says they can't use the laser pistol because they don't know where the rock people are in there, and the the pistol it could end up firing into. Their lair hurting them, hurting innocent bystanders. Mm-hmm. Gun safety 101. I mean, and and this is how you do It's just little things like that. You don't have to beat kids over the head. We talk about this all the time with Filmation. They did a great job of just being like these little lines where you're just like, yeah, you don't just fire a gun into the side of what's essentially their home. It's mm-hmm. dumb. So. Yeah, I I like that. I like that line way more than I expected to uh, watching it because. Again, you know, like I didn't think of it that way, but the sentient thing like we were just talking yeah. about with the creatures when I was watching it, it didn't click. But now I'm like, yeah, I like the fact that, you know, he is respectful of that. And, yeah. you know, it's the, it's the whole, the last thing we need is to hurt people here. We're just trying to do one thing right. and we should be able to do it without any any casualties or with anybody getting wounded at least. So, yeah. yeah and that's, that's, that's something that I've always kind of felt with this episode, but I haven't been able to articulate it till rewatching as an adult and then that's where you know we talk about this a little bit like you watch these things as a kid they make the impression on you you know you like it or it, it hits home with you but you can't really articulate why rewatching mm-hmm. this episode as an adult that's a big part of it is the way he man acts around these people he's not hunting down Skeletor he's not hunting down Whiplash he's not you know it's not even where he's trying to you know cage up the manticore he realizes that these are people. Yes, they look different than us, they act different than us, but that doesn't mean that we can just go in there, start punching and blasting them to pieces. So Yeah. This, um, this one, uh, 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 real quick, this, this episode yeah. I honestly would point to for anyone um, and just go, this, even though, even though I still love the Savage He-Man, this is a perfect textbook case Yes. of why kids fell in love with the character of He-Man as kids, because look at the amount of things he's doing in order to show you the, like, you know, sentient life yes. means something to him. It's worth protecting and, you know, taking care of those people. And even, you know, the amount of stuff he goes through and he tries so hard not to endanger things in this episode. And he's, helpful he's a champion he's helping those kids in the beginning and all that it's like this is a textbook example of why 
He-Man works for us because of the heroism. And he doesn't even have a sword through most of the episode. He, it's just the character himself, the strength of the character, and the compassion of the character. 100%. So, uh, yep, no laser pistol. Ram Man says he's going to try again then. And this time, Ram Man successfully opens the entrance with his head. <laughs> Go, Rammy. <laughs> Why did they bring the battle ram? Yeah. It's not as sexy as Ram Man. I... <laughs> Again, this is the second part of this episode where I'm just like, wait a minute. Well, this... (laughs) We wanted to use the battle ram to cut a hole in the mountain. We went and got the battle ram. We come back and we let ram man punch his way through. Well, okay. Let's, let's, let's cart before the horse this though. Here's the thing. At that point when he said, let's go back and get a battle ram. Right. They didn't know Ram Man was going to be off that day, that he could come with them. So the Fair fact enough. he showed up, then all of a sudden it's like, well, we got to change our plans here because we need him to have something, you know? It's like, well, you know what? If you can't do it, at least we got the Battle Ram. And then it just worked out that Ram Man got it instead of the Battle Ram in that case, I guess. All right, fair enough. Ram Man finished up early. If so, he, had to, he had to hunt down Negator. They thought he'd be out all day, but it only took him a couple hours. Um, yeah, yeah. He got his to do list done. It, well, Rayman wants to get his forty hours, right? Uh, like, well, you gotta, yeah, you gotta. You gotta get that paycheck. Exactly. You know, he finished with Negator six hours early. If he just punches yeah. down and goes home, you know well, that's six hours pay dot. You know, Randor. Exactly. Randor's stingy. He is yeah, not. Well, I yeah. pay you for everything you work, but by God, I'm not paying you for forty if you only work thirty two, Randor. So, if you're if you're out there fishing in the afternoon after you've defeated whoever it was right. that morning, I'm not I'm not paying you to fish. Are you freaking kidding me? You want that health insurance? You want that retirement plan? You get back out there. Right. You show me you're worth this. <laughs> he did that in, in Revelation. Andra, she was a good hire. Yeah, because she's out there busting her butt the whole time. All right. She's going to get her sign on bonus. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. However, this does make Rayman better at He-Man than knocking through rocks. Yes. Okay. It does. Which I, like, it's... I like that too, honestly. I like the idea that, yes, He-Man's the most powerful person in the universe. But I kind of like the idea that, you know, but Rayman's better at this. Or Mechanic. Yeah. Like, it, that's why you have the masters around him, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's the the case of you know Flash, for instance, fastest mm-hmm. man alive. Superman still has super speed, right? But there are levels to their abilities to use those things that make Flash still the fastest man alive, and Superman has super speed. Right. So it's 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 sort of the same deal here, which I think I think that works. It, it you know a random random situation, he make a punch a boulder. That's awesome. But Ram Man can get in there and save people if they're in a cave in. You know, that works for me. Cool. I love it. All right. No, I, I, would, I would draw all my objections. <laughs> uh, but the so, battle ram is also there. So let's recap. Entrance closed. He-Man can't get through. Travel back to the palace. Get a battle ram. Grab Ram Man so it gets his 40. Head back to the mountain. 
Rayman tries a couple times. Maybe laser pistol. No, not laser pistol. All right, try again. Hole open. Orko flies away. Well, I told you I can make the job easier. I found another entrance. Off to the side. And he finds another entrance. Mm -hmm. Right over mm -hmm. on the other side of the mountain. <laughs> That's how it works. So we lost, all the like, we lost like four hours. <laughs> Probably not that long. Two hours at least, though, right? I mean... Well, it, it, the, the time span of this episode had me questioning things because they are going back and forth quite a lot to, well, let's get the Wind Raider and then let's get the Battle Ram. And let's, it's like, man, the amount of back and forth to the castle well, and the like, amount of back and forth well, to the all Wind this Raider stuff. was there. I, I imagine they took the Wind They took Raider that there. to the picnic or whatever, right. or the camp. Yeah, right. yeah. But yeah, they did tra have to travel back and forth after the sword went missing. It's kind of like the first 48, right? Something goes missing, that's the most crucial part. You need to get right on that trail. And they wasted all this time when if they'd just done a quick survey, if they'd had Mechanic there that day. Yeah. You know, he would have yeah. been like, all right, hey guys, <laughs> right there. Yep, so, yep. Uh, but since they opened this one, they said, forget your other entrance, Oracle, we're going in this one. Because we worked very hard to get in this. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, it's the entrance they went. The, the rock yeah. people went in. So it makes the most sense. Um, as they're walking, they find all these caves, tunnels. Every, there's a whole maze of tunnels and caves and everything. They're heading through, following tracks. Um, they, they find... Uh, first, they find paintings. Brightly colored, uh, crudely drawn cave paintings. And, you know, we have some discussion. Um, Orko says, you know, they seem gentle and peaceful. You know, bright colors, all that. Like, you know, really hammering home that point. Like, these are not the paintings of a uh, warlike race, an antagonistical race, you know. They really looking at all this. They have a civilization. They have history. You know, they have a tribe, and he really doesn't feel that that they're or he feels that they are gentle in nature. And you know, man, I'm saying, well, the two that thought he man certainly weren't gentle and peaceful. So, yeah. Um, Orko also remarks, "Hey, I think that tunnel over there goes to that other entrance I found." Right, Orko's got a pretty good feel about the navigation down here. Mm -hmm. Might come in handy later. A little bit, maybe. Uh, uh, at that time, uh, he may hear some distant murmuring. Can't really understand it, but he is able to pick out the name Raybar, uh, which he recognizes because Raybar said his name like 25 times during the battle. <laughs> They head in the direction of the noise, and they come to this giant cavern, and they notice a pit in the middle of it. Um, and they... <clears throat> Man-at-Arms says that that pit must go down to the center of the earth. No, I did not misspeak. Man-at-Arms did. He forgot for a moment, well, for the whole episode, that they are on Eternia and not on Earth. Or he could yeah. have even said the center of the planet would have been better. Yeah. He specifically says Earth, 
multiple times, which is it just it's it's a pure mistake on the writer's part, on the editor's part for not catching it. There is there's nothing I can say here to 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 whitewash that away. That's just that that unfortunate error. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it was for me at least it was kind of startling to hear that because the most that you heard Earth was in any epi- episode involving Marlena or the boy. right. So yeah, <laughs> right. But for him to make that full paw with him being Eternia. Like even exactly. if, if Marlena had been there and goes, oh, it must go to the center of the Earth, you could be like, well, you know, she grew up on Earth. That's just kind of her default. But with it being yeah. Duncan, a hundred percent pure Eternian, and he does it multiple mm-hmm. times, it's like, nope, that just it just it's it's pure error. That that's yeah. It. So I honestly never caught it as a kid, but as an adult, I every time I'm like, yeah. Darn it! Well, as a, as a kid, you you're easily like, oh, you know, you're just moving on right. the rest of the story or whatever. But yeah, we we get caught up in that nowadays. That's, That's how it works. That's why we have a show. That's uh, why we're fans. Yes. <laughs> Man at Arms also states that that pit is their source of heat, light, and energy. So going down to the core of the planet, magma, all that, like this is how they live down here. I like that the writer took a moment to be like, no, this is how they survive, this is how they see. I mean, it'd be easy to write out like they're rock people, but no, they still kind of have some basic needs, wants, desires. You know, he's mm-hmm. really fleshing these guys out as a society. Yeah. Um, Orko also notices a big pillar in the center of the room. Uh, he states that, you know, that seems like it's holding up everything, and he'd hate to see it coming <laughs> down. As many of you know, I worked in a grocery store for a number of years. And whenever there was a big storm, the one thing you would never say is, gee, I hope the power doesn't go out. (laughs) Every time. If you say it, if you put that out into the universe, it will happen. Every time. You look at the new guy and you go, say that. What is wrong with you? And sure enough, yeah. the power would go out. We'd have to pull all the coolers, tarp everything. Yes. So, Orco has obviously never worked in a grocery store because there are some things you just don't say. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Orco. Mm-hmm. We're glad you're along for the ride on this one for that reason. <laughs> uh, where the hero's musing is interrupting, interrupted uh, with us hearing Raybar again. And he is proclaiming himself leader. Uh, He-Man speculates that Raybar believes that the sword makes him a leader, but it only makes him a bully. Mm-hmm. That's a great He-Man line, too. Yeah. This, this, this episode is He-Man, like, at his filmation finest. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Textbook right here. Yep. <laughs> I loved it. I also... Um, Again, the, the great animation on the the rock people that Raybar is lording over at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're they're pained, they're frightened. Like they, the, the, these guys took some time to really really animate this up. Um, yeah, and and it, it shows. Even as a yeah, kid, yeah. I'm like I'm like, oh my god, like they are they are freaked out. Yeah, and it, it, it gives you the sympathy and it gives you that sentient feeling of these creatures 
And yeah, it, it makes it even harder to go, yeah, you want to fight them. It's like, no, they don't want to fight. They aren't interested. It, they're just scared. And here's this, like, like he man said, there's a bully now. And he thinks because he's got a sword that makes him the right guy and all right. that. It's like, so yeah. So, and, and again, he man's the same way. He's like, I don't want to fight them. So him and Rain Man concoct a plan. Rain Man will distract him. He Man will swing down. Luckily, he's got this iron vine still. Yeah. And he's going to swing down. He's going to grab the sword out of his hand, and we're out. And out. Done. Um, and it starts to go well. Ram Man goes bouncing out there. Does a bunch of. He's bouncing all over the place, off walls, off ceilings, flips, turns. Looks great. All the rock people are like, what in the world? You know? Circus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he Man. Grabs the iron vines, puts it around a stalactite. The tighter might stalactite. Which one's off? The I ceiling? don't remember. It's the one that's off the ceiling. I'm gonna go stalactite. Someone correct me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he goes swinging around. And they fall to the ground. I like that. It's fun. It's I like that. You know, and the thing is, like that heroic music (sighs) swells up, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the He-Man theme kicks in. He's he he gets the stalactite. He's holding back. He's ready to go. You know, oh my god, I've lost the tune. But that that theme music plays in He-Man, and he goes swinging. And you're like, all right, this is it. Grab the. We're good. And then they crash, and it's like, oh, wait, no, wait, wait we're not done yet. <laughs> this is and that, and the, the thing I liked is, it's yes, it's comedic, right. but I like that it's also, it's, this is not working yet again. So it's that, and it's, it's another one of those times where, like, as a kid, you can see it's not working, but he's still trying. So right. it does give you that, that, uh, that message as well, like, okay, just because it didn't work this way or this way or this way, he's coming up with other ways of trying to solve his own problem, which it, I like how subliminal that is versus the being pushed in your face. But through his actions, you're seeing that throughout the episode. And, but yeah, I just got such a kick. Oh, watch out. Boom. Yeah. I can't steer. <laughs> I can't steer. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's a good time. So they go down, they land. Uh, they land in front of the rock people. Uh, Raybar proclaims them the enemy and orders the rock people to get them. Oh, the rock people are hesitant to do so. Orko proclaims that the rock people are scared of He-Man. Man-Arm says, no, they're peaceful. They don't want to fight. Grab enemy! Raybar leader, say so! They won't obey you, Raybar. They're peaceful. As you are, really. Raybar, not peaceful. Raybar, warrior, leader. I have sword. A sword doesn't make you a leader. Toga, me have seen outside world. Sword 
does make leader. They've probably seen evil leaders like Skeletor. So yeah, so we get some information there. We this is where we find out the little one, or the littler one. Sorry, Sean, mm-hmm. is named Togar. You know, Man at Arms speculates that they've seen Skeletor, even though you know Skeletor isn't seen often with a sword. You know, but I, I Skeletor has a sword from time to time, so. I'll, I'll let it slide, you know, and, and we don't know who they actually saw, but obviously these two have ventured outside. They've seen some stuff that the other rock people have have not, and yeah. so they're they're. I think what this boils down to is Raybar and Togar are trying to do right by their people. They've seen the outside world. They've seen evil forces out there, and they're like, we need to get ready because sooner or later this fight's going to come to us. Like, the outside world will work their way in here. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and it, it's all it's all subliminal, though. They never really spell it out, but me, that's kind of how I've always felt. Like, they're, they're preparing. They see what evil force are out there, the weapons, the technology, and they're like, we got nothing here. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, there's that, and there's also... <clears throat> there There is that simplisticness of... We have to be at like them in order to survive, but really, you know, like they might be able to figure it out their own way. But it, Ray, Ray, Raybar's first inclination is, I have sword, therefore I am powerful. You know, it's that, right. it's that whole weapons are going to make you this or that. But at the end of the day, yeah, it, it, his people aren't ready for any of that kind of stuff. They're not interested in that kind of stuff. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so Raybar tells him that if he wants a sword, he's gonna have to fight him. He's, he's ready to prove his dominance. He is the leader. Uh, He-Man replies to him. I'm gonna have to fight him for it. I won't. These people don't know what fighting is. I won't be the one who teaches them. So yeah, He-Man again, he's on his noble ground. Is you know, he's, I'm not gonna be the reason that this whole tribe, you know, finds out what war is. I like that. I, for, for me loving what I love about Masters, it's like this is everything against what I love for the savage stuff, but it works for well, this it. so well. It's such a good teaching moment. This know? is where it works. Now, if you yeah. get into like, he's going up against Cobra Khan, and he's like, I will not fight you, Cobra Khan. Well, yeah. Then yeah, you're exactly. like, come on, man. But when he's like, <laughs> No, these are an innocent, sheltered, tribal mm-hmm. group. Like, I'm not going to introduce these concepts here. You're like, yeah, yeah, He-Man. Yeah, exactly. Do it. You know, it'd be so easy exactly. for just to punch them all. Like you said. Yeah. They're all rock bits. But that'd be... Yeah, evil move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. exactly. You know? Um, so, Togar... Um, spots, at this point, he spots that laser pistol that Man-Arms has always carried on his belt. And he decides that, you know, why is Raybar going to have all the the power? And he grabs mm-hmm. Man-Arms' laser pistol. And he proclaims himself leader now because he feels he has the better weapon. Uh, and he starts firing wildly, as any kid with a gun does. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's why, that's why we have all those lockup videos during the 80s and 90s, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, 
So he starts shooting sporadically, and what do you know? So as the pillar goes to fall, that central support beam, that Orko, you know, God, I'd hate to see that fall. It falls. And He-Man rushes in just in time to catch it and brace it. Um, yeah, but it's taking some... I mean, He-Man's holding up a whole cavern at this point, right? Um, mm -hmm. And he doesn't... He cannot hold that up and get something else to support it. Luckily, there is a nicely cut square boulder there. Um, but it, it's I mean, probably a good 50 feet away at this point. Uh, so Man-at-Arms and Ram-Man go to push it into place. Unfortunately, Ram-Man's very good at smashing rocks into bits. He is not so good at pushing rocks across the cabin, cavern floor. Um, yeah. And they, they struggle. And they're Really not budging it at all. Um, he man, and then this is kind of where He Man's power level in this episode I feel is at a really good point, right? Like we said earlier, he, he can't really force his way in through an avalanche of rocks, but he's still powerful. He can hold up a cavern, but he can't also reach out and get something to support it. Like, I like this He Man. This is the right power level for He Man, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he. Even, you know, like, he can only hold it for so long. Right, he gets tired. And I, I, yeah, and, I, and honestly, this moment actually had me questioning maybe if there is a time limit on how long he actually can have the power based on that line. Although I don't think that's ever been established, but it did make me just go like, yeah, if he couldn't turn back into Adam, what would be, you know, like the power would be the same throughout, or would there be limitations to that as well? well Which I is a whole nother rabbit hole, I understand, but I'm just, no, no, I get, that made I me don't think, think that. I don't think he would lose the power, but I think he would have to start eating and sleeping as he may. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, he'd get tired. Like, right now, he can change back into Adam. When he changes back into He-Man, he's full power again. I mean, we saw it in Secret of the Sword. Yeah. He got completely drained down. He was still He-Man, but he was weak and tired. Use a sword of power, boom, I'm back. So I think he'd have to live a more normal life as He-Man. He can't just pop out, right? He's mm -hmm. got to rest. He's got to eat, you know, and, and get his energy back. Cause I, and I like He-Man tiring. I like Superman being able to tire. I don't like these characters where it's like, well, I'm all powerful and I can go all all day, all night, all week. Like, no, that's too powerful. This has to... You're still using your muscles. You're still burning energy. You have to... You know... Replenish. Replenish, yeah. So, yeah. So I think that's... I don't think... Because if the power just ran out, then the crux of the episode, you know, I can never be Adam again, is no longer an issue because he will eventually revert back into Adam. Then we're back yeah. into, well, I can never become He-Man again. Which isn't the point of the episode. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't, yeah. It, a great observation, but yeah, I think it'd just be more I have to live a normal life as He Man. I am mm -hmm. a whole person as He Man now. Um, but yeah, so Impending Doom, Caverns Tumbling, Rock People, they're uh, scared, frightened. Thanks, Orko. <laughs> um, but don't worry, 
Orko's got this. Orko flies over to the self-proclaimed leaders of the rock people and tells them... Your people are in danger! Help them! The Raybar and Togar take his words to heart, and they go over and they help Man at Arms and Ram Man push the the new boulder into place to get He Man out of there, support the pillar, and save their people. <clears throat> they do come upon the realization that you know, friend, right? Sword and laser do not make leader. Sword and laser, bad. They are so quick about it that He-Man and Man-Arms don't even have time to react. They can only watch in dismay as the weapons fade from sight into the pit. And He-Man reflects mostly to himself. Then it's all over, Duncan. From now on, I'll never be Adam again. And that's... Man, John Irwin... What a, what a god among men. You really feel for him there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, for, and especially on this show, right? We've talked so much about the, the Adam, the He-Man, the needing the boat, the back and forth, who He-Man Adam really is. Like, and just seeing He-Man's distress when he's like, well, that's it. I'm just the superpowered guy. Like, I've never... I'm never going to get to relax. I'm never going to get to go fishing. Tila's never... I'm never going to make Tila love the real me. You know, like, you, you feel all that. Like, it's it just... It's all gone. Absolutely. Yeah, he... Th- this whole episode, uh, not only textbook He-Man and why the morals and who he is matters, but there there's a really good emotional core that you don't see every episode with He-Man here, and the duality going on between yeah. him and Adam and, and like, like, uh, like you're saying why that's needed. Yeah. And, um, yeah, John, I mean, John Irwin always knocks it out of the park, but this one in particular, he definitely, it, it's like he, 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 he shows why he gets that paycheck in this episode. No way around that. Um, <clears throat> So uh, we cut to the heroes exiting the cavern as the Rockmen tear down the ladder going up, and they vow that they will never venture out again. They're happy with their lives, and they're going to live in seclusion. You know, they've learned their lesson. This is not the way. They only brought, uh, you know, terror and potential ruin to their people. So they've learned their lesson. Uh, Raybar asks He-Man to seal off the entrance when they leave. Uh, Man-at-Arms wonders where Orko, Orko is as he has disappeared, and He-Man speculates that he flew out ahead of them. Um, uh, back outside, the heroes are gathered, minus Orko. Uh, He-Man tells them to go head back to the palace and... See if Orko's there. He'll take one more spin around the mountain, and then he'll close the entrances forever. 
sealing his fate. Mm-hmm. He-Man push uh, man-arms and rain-man take off in the battle ram that they didn't need at all, so at this point they're just wasting the fuel budget. The <laughs> is not going to be too happy about. You could have that 40-hour paycheck from Ram-Man for this. <laughs> um, and I like how He-Man uh, seals the entrance here. He actually climbs up to the top of the mountain and pushes a boulder off, causing another rock slide. And really... I mean, He-Man sealed that entrance. He could have just taken one boulder, stuck it in there, but he's like, nope, I'm sealing this whole thing. That's what they wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's it. Cave is sealed, even as Adam's fate is sealed. And Cringer's, too, my friend. Let's look for Orko, then seal the side entrance. And He-Man declares that they're going to take off and check out that side entrance. And if Orko's not there, they're going to seal it off. Right on cue, as they mention his name, Orko comes pretty lazily floating across the scene. He is... He's in no hurry. Yeah, the only... He's cruising. The the only thing they could have done there to make it seem even lazier is if he would have been whistling or something, you know? Like he yeah. just oh, there he is. La 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 la. Hey he man, wanna see a great trick? Orko, how can you be thinking of silly tricks at a time like this? But this is a really great trick. Watch. And I don't even have to use magic. Presto. How? Oh. Remember, I said I'd love to capture some of that energy from the bottomless pit? Well, when everything turned out okay in the cave world, I went down into the pit. It got too hot. I started back up. And guess what I caught as it came flying down? And the music crescendos. The power sword is revealed out of Orko's hat. And He-Man triumphantly raises his sword in the air. It's back, baby. Uh, it's Orko, back. Orko explains that when he went to check, he wanted to check the magic out in the pit, and once he saw they were going to get the support beam back in place and everything was going to be fine, he just floated on down there. And when he was coming back up, well, guess what came falling down to him? <laughs> yeah. Lucky for him, right? And, and honestly, this part make it, like, even as a kid and even to this day, when you have that extra arm come out of his head, it freaks me out. I don't know why. It just does. It's just like, like yeah. I know he's a cartoon character and I know he's magical, but there is a certain amount of, but that's not right. You know, it's, I felt very uh, Sam Rockwell watching that part for some reason. I don't know why it bugged me. It just did. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> but at the same time, though, creepy third hand aside, that feeling... I mean, I can remember the first time I saw this episode. I'm like, the sword's gone. Like, I'm sitting there, mm-hmm. an eight year old going, like, oh, oh, oh. yeah. And then as that, that it pans out of his hat, you know, and yeah. the music kicks in, and you're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah won't go. You know, yeah. it's, it's like, um, you know, you feel for him. And again, John Irwin's voice acting throughout this. Like, he is not, I am He-Man. He's like, oh, I don't want to see a trick. Like, it's still that heroic He-Man voice, but he's just, he's so down. You never hear He-Man 
that depressed sounding. It's, yeah. It's, it's yeah, well, even you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, even that, you know, I'll, I'll seal off the entrance forever. There's this, right. you know, the fi- fatality, the, the finalness of that. And he delivers it in spades where, you know, you could feel... You could feel his genuine sorrow over this is, you know, this is not the way I expected the rest of my life to go. That this is who I am now, and you know. 100%. Uh, so we we head back to the palace. Uh, man, we join Man at Arms and Tila. Tila is explaining that she has not been able to find Adam, um, and just then. Adam and Cringer show up. Yeah. And this is one of my favorite parts of the episode, actually. <laughs> and uh, Tila says to him, Hearing He-Man lecture Adam will be more fun than a party. Did someone say party? And what was that about He-Man? How? He-Man's going to let you know what's on his mind. I already know. How? Tell me you and He-Man came face to face and I wasn't there to see it. Okay, I won't tell you. How? Hands down. Best scene in the episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's made by Man-at-Arms in the background. Oh, that, that's that's my favorite moment. I think that's my favorite Man-at-Arms moment in filmation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just his back. How? Yeah. How? <laughs> How? And she's so on Adam, so disappointed and so ready to ream him that she doesn't even, you know, that's the other thing. You know, like we said earlier, He-Man with his kind of double speak, and now Man Arm just sort of like, you know, he's not even worried about the secret identity right now. He just, I know. No, no, wait, wait, no, 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 and that's the thing, like that moment, and and there was the moment earlier where He Man goes, "I don't need Tila looking for Adam for a week," right? And the the timing on that, as well as this part, were were moments where I'm like, "My God, they're talking a lot more freely than you would typically see them," because he says that, and you don't even count to three, and Tila is in the scene then, right? So the fact that you know, like they're kind of I, I don't want to say they're playing it fast and loose with these allusions to what's happening that obviously uh, man at arms and uh, he man know, but yeah, I, I love that, that in that moment, he's so startled. All you could say is how, and right. that's it. And it, It's like, it could give it away. It doesn't, it works. It, right. Teal is just she, so caught up in her and she wasn't questioning. so mad that she missed yes. Adam and he man meeting and he, yes. he man giving him what for, you know, yeah, that she probably would have been paying more attention, but and I think it, I think it speaks really to the the again like this is a simple concept for an episode. Swords missing, Adam or He Man can't turn back into Adam. What happened? But for the characters, you know, it's a dire situation, and so I think that's what lends itself to like, you know, kind of like Shadow of Skeletor when they're on the ship. Laser cannon point at him. Adam thinks they're going to be blown out of the sky, and he's ready to transform in front of Tila. You know, because it's like it's one of those situations. Like, well, the whole thing's probably up now, anyways. Like that's how dire the situation is. It's like if we can keep the secret ending going, great. But at this point, it's like, you know, all bets are off. 
So yeah. it kind of leads it to that criticalness of where they're they are, you know, playing a little looser, just out of desperation. You know, they're just not mm. checking themselves as much. He has been on his back feet this whole episode. From the minute he started fighting with the rock monster, you know, finding they have a civilization and all that, like, you know, um, he's definitely been a step behind, you know, in the way mm-hmm. he's the way he's got to approach everything, the the situations he's put in. Um, there's not a lot of aggressive, like aggression towards He Man necessarily, like. You don't have Skeletor with an evil weapon or a doodad, you know, attacking him. And in a way, that almost makes it harder for He-Man to to fight and to overcome. Because he's got mm-hmm. to find these other ways, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, even, I mean, that's that's the thing about, like, when, when Raybar uh, pushes, or, or not pushes, but throws the sword. Right. Like, if it was me in that situation, my inclination would be to want to punch him in the freaking head. Because I'm like, right. I've been after you about this and you do that. That's not yours to do that with. And right. instead, he, you know, He-Man doesn't even attack him for that. He's just kind of like, oh, shh. You know, like, yeah. I mean, and, and and I actually, I'm impressed by that. They didn't have him lashing out even because of the situation. Well, and he, he gets Raybar's point. He's like, all right, I, I see where you're coming from, you know. You're obviously an intelligent race, but you're you're behind. You're a simpler race. You're a peaceful yeah. race. He's like, you're not wrong. Weapons lead to war. Like, I can't... I can't fault you. You learned a valuable lesson here today. And if I lash out at you now, that kind of... Uh, well, I, I did the right thing. I got rid of the weapon. I'm no longer going to try and yeah. rule with yeah. my own fist. Like, yeah, you learned your lesson. Like, I can't be mad at you for that. Yeah. But... You know, but thanks, Rayo. Right, <laughs> and the thing, is, and again, that works with the secret identity because to everybody outside the circle, that is just a sword. You don't see man yeah. arms going. That was my favorite laser pistol, and now it's. I gone. know. You know, it's, so, it's, yeah. It's done. You know, he always had it by on his side. He always yeah. did. He's not that going to do more. Good luck, gun. But but yeah, but it's not it's not a big deal. So to. That's yeah. the thing. Rain Man's still there. You know, if he makes too big a deal about the sword, you know what I mean? It all kind of goes hand yeah, in hand yeah. where, you know, I can't fault you for what you don't know. So, um, last scene at the palace here, we've got Adam, Cringer, and Orko in another part of the palace where Adam reflects... Just think, Cringer, if it weren't for Orko, you'd have been Battle Cat for the rest of your life. And Cringer is so grateful to Orko that he starts looking him up, down, and all around in a great show of affection. Uh, Orko's actually kind of disgusted by this and says that he's <laughs> going to show Cringer a new magic trick where he turns pussycats into dragons. And he scares Cringer so bad that he jumps into a barrel as... <laughs> and we truck out from the palace back up to the planet back into space and credits roll and see see hi everybody editor Matt here uh, speaking to you from the future 
I just want to drop you guys a quick note before I let the boys finish the episode of something I noticed while going through and pulling all the clips that I hope you're enjoying throughout this episode. So after watching through Quest for the Sword, painstakingly pulling audio and video, I noticed an interesting little thing here that I don't think is a coincidence. So throughout the episode, we have the transitions. Uh, We've seen these a lot on He-Man. The two most famous ones are, of course, the He-Man logo spinning across the screen. And then, of course, the Sword of Power spinning across the screen and... So those are used, of course, to show, you know, a passage of time or a passage of location that used throughout most of the episodes, right? Well, here's the interesting part. So throughout this episode, there are eight transitions. Uh, the first one occurs right after Prince Adam changes into He-Man and He-Man and Battle Cat are heading back to the chasm. Now that transition is the... Sword of Power spinning across the screen. The next transition we get is when... After He-Man has lost the sword and they want to go back to the palace to get the battle ram that they ultimately don't even use. And this one is the He-Man logo. So after that, we then have... One, two, three, four more... There is a transition after they get the mountain entrance open, which is the He-Man logo. The After Ray, Bar, and Togar throw the Sword of Power and the laser pistol into the pit, that is the He-Man logo. When the Heroic Warriors are leaving the cavern, throwing the ladder down, you know, preparing to leave forever, that is the He-Man logo. Uh, and then again, after Man-at-Arms and Ram-Man leave on the Battle Ram, leaving He-Man alone to seal up the entrance after he's going to go look for Orko one last time, that is again the He-Man logo. So, we have had five in a row of the He-Man logo the entire time that He-Man does not have his Sword of Power. The next transition comes Immediately after Orko hands the Sword of Power back to He-Man, he raises it aloft, and we get... The Sword of Power transition! So, for the entirety of the runtime, when He-Man does not have his sword, they do not use that transition. Um, I cannot believe that that is pure coincidence. Now, I know what you're asking right now. Now, Matt, you only accounted for seven, and at the top of this, you said that there were eight transitions. Well, the eighth transition comes uh, after Adam is back at the palace. It's between the scene where Adam talks to Tila and Man-Arms is, how, how, how? And then when he goes to talk to Orko and Cringer. So, and that one is... That green, rushing, kind of past the vine jungle transition. So that's kind of, that's kind of out of it. That's that's completely separate there. But I think it still says something, you know, with Adam being back at that point. It's neither the He-Man logo nor the Sword of Power. So really interesting. Um, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but to me, it just that cannot be coincidence that the whole time 
he had his he was without his sword that they did not use that sword spin. Um, so yeah, that's my note, and I'll let the boys finish this one off. What a journey! What a journey! So I, I mean, I think we're both on the same page. It's 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 an epic premise to me. It's a it's a great story. It dives into the emotions of He-Man and Adam, you know, and Tila really too, you know, and, and really addresses the secret identity head on, which I've always liked. I've always appreciated. That's why this has stuck with me all these years. Um, yes, it's got a few questionable issues and everything else. Some of that is just plot convenience where it's like, well, we have to keep the story going, you know. Mm-hmm. We can't take too long on this stuff. So, but overall, the emotions, the feelings, I guess I'm feeling for He-Man when that sword goes down into the pit. The pit you know, I, I feel overjoyed when Orko reveals it. Like I said, this is one of the episodes I can remember back to my first time watching, not knowing what's going to happen, and just the ups and downs of eight-year-old Matt. Like, you know, I mean, this this took this took little Matt everywhere. You know, it ran the whole gamut of emotions. Um, yeah, because I've always been keyed in on that secret identity. That's always been a huge part of it for me, ever since I was a little kid. And this addresses it in a way that nothing else does. We get the Adam can't power up all the time. This is the only time we get the, well, I can't depower. And that's an issue. Because a lot of people don't treat that as an issue. Oh, well, I could be He-Man forever. Great. No, he he likes being himself once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this This one, like I said, this is a blueprint of what makes him tick and uh, you know like it's it's brought across in such a effortless way and even moments like i was saying you know it it would be easy for him to want to punch the stone creature because he just threw the power sword down into the to the pit and instead it's it's treated in a mature way where you know even as a kid you could watch that and go yeah, see, if your little brother or little sister broke your toy, they didn't mean to do it. You don't have to be a jerk to them. You see how He-Man handles this, you know? Um, and I do like that, you know, I'm not going to be the one to be the example of fighting in front of these, you know, that, like that kind of stuff was really, really well done. Um, so, yeah, and and again, John Irwin, I mean, I I can't think of a time where, where John Irwin didn't knock it out of the park for me as He-Man. He's still, you know, like he's definitely one of the gold standards. I still, I liked uh, Chris Wood as well on uh, Revelation and and even the guy that does the CGI one, but it's like John Irwin is is that quintessential DNA He-Man guy, you know? Like he's always going to be that guy. If someone tells you, hear He-Man in your head, it's John Irwin's at first, first thing will be that's what I'm saying, yes, right? John or, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he man saying by the power of Grayskull, it's that transformation. And exactly. Every time, it it doesn't matter. It just it's ingrained in us. But um, you know, and to the point, we brought it up a little bit earlier, and um, you know, what would happen to he man if he couldn't become Adam again, and you know, 
that's one of the things I didn't think about at the time, or even as a younger adult, you know, when the series was first, you know, rewatching on DVD and everything else. But something I thought about the other day when we were preparing for this is the series after Filmation. They made a point to show that He-Man could be not back to Adam. So, and, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Return of Faker yet, but James Etock also did it in his Filmation fan tribute um, episode. So, if you follow, just, just saying hypothetically, if you say that in this Filmation universe, there is a chance that he could turn back to Adam, not only does that raise the stakes for future battles if he were to you know, actually lose the sword, right? Because, well, I really got to watch what I'm getting into. If I get, oh, that looks pretty powerful. I've really got to avoid that. You know, it makes him a little bit more hesitant, a little more, like it changes his fighting style, right? Mm -hmm. But even on the opposite, you know, that just, that is what it is. But to think if He-Man's sitting here, like, I could find a way to change back to He-Man, or back to Adam, but then that also, but then I'm on the flip side. But then I can never power up again. So not only is it I've lost the sword, I can't change back to Adam, but it's like it's also a responsibly speaking, I can't change back in Adam. Yes, I could find a way to, but for the safety of the universe, I can't. And that kind of makes that whole struggle even more like, you know, yes, things happened. The sword losing was out of his control. But at the end of the day, he has to make that heroic choice of, I'm not going to find a way to change back. I'm not going to find a way. Like, I'm, I'm giving that up because for the safety of the universe, I have to be He-Man. No, I, I, it would have, like, if they would have had a continual story on Filmation instead of it being episodic, that would have been an amazing thing to take an episode or two and address that right, if they happened. didn't have to wrap this up in one episode. And the other thing, too, uh, we were talking power levels. And the thing I like about this one, and, and you said it too, like, this shows a good power level for He Man yes. where he's not pushing moons, he's not pushing planets, he is taxing his power and his strength to try to do some of these feats in this episode and i personally one of the things about having him be super powered that made it easier sometimes for me to walk away before an episode was done was knowing he will survive right and 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 that to me was a detriment of how super powered he was on the show versus like it, one thing that you were just saying that for me, it would make it even more of a big deal is you see him in the, in some of these situations where there is a big threat that he darn well knows I might not be able to keep the power through this. Something could knock it out of me. I could die. Well, you know, not, not, not to get all like uh, whatever about it, but like, 
I, every time I think of something like that, my head automatically goes to 9-11 and how firefighters were going into the building, mm-hmm. into the World Trade Center, knowing they might not make it back out again. And to me, that would have been something more impactful to watch as a kid to see the heroism behind that the self-sacrifice in yeah. order to protect another person instead yeah. of it being him being so overpowered that it was a given he was going to make it out every time. I mean, we had times where it like boulders fall on him and it boom, he just comes out, all that stuff. Yep. It would have been a, a, a definite, um, it would have been a, a very pivotal and a memorable episode to have something like that happen as well. And that could have been like the, wow, everybody remembers that because that was the episode where He-Man went up against the thing that knocked the power of Graceville out of him. Right. And again, part of why 2000X, I was amazed by that. They went there. Filmation always played it safe with that. This is the closest we ever got to that. He loses the sword. He might not be Adam or he loses the sword. He can't be He-Man, but it was never to that level of the mortality and the level of you know, the questionability, is he going to still get through this? Exactly. So this this episode, as as crazy as it is to say, this this episode opened all of those what yeah. ifs that you're talking about now that I'm thinking of. And I'm like, that that is really awesome to have a show where it does make you go on this tangent and the amount of stuff that you can come up with and go, this makes it even more impactful to me. And that's why this episode now is probably one of my favorites out of right. filmation. The potentials of what could have happened, even though we didn't get it, it's still really cool that it it went to these places. Exactly. Nope. Completely agree. It's got great plot points, great thought provoking. Um, I got I got to go a nine power swords out of ten. I mean, obviously, I got a couple hangups there, a couple logic issues, and some errors. But overall, the, the animation, I feel, is on point. There's some great emotion, great straining. And like I said, the story is just top-notch. It opens up all these doors into He-Man, Adam, Tila, that relationship. And you really feel for Adam through all of it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go 8 out of 10. But I, I agree completely. It, I mean, even the comedy... There's there's parts where it doesn't land completely. But the comedy yep. in this one, especially the man-at-arms... with how that that killed me and uh for me being who i am and loving the savage stuff this did make the dual identity more viable and more important than just having the typical clark kent running into the into the uh storage room to become superman kind of moments like they usually do and even him thinking out how to distract to get into He-Man mode, this episode was actually nicely done compared to the typical, well, I better go over here or whatever, like they do sometimes. So, yeah. Just very, for, very, very well done. Just for fun. Let's see what James Etock has to say about it in the wonderful He-Man All right. The Complete Guide to the Classic Animated Adventures. Um, now, historically... Episodes that I love, James hates. And that's no knock against James, it's just how it lines up. So, let's see if this is one of them. On paper, this episode promises to be one of the series' best. 
However, it falls short and fails to deliver the classic story that it promises. This episode suffers from poor pacing and nonsensical storytelling. The opening action scene is too long and full of contradictions. He-Man hopping onto a Wind Raider to cross a large fissure that he had previously fought to keep open is just one of many scenes that make little sense. The scene at the Royal Palace where the heroes come close to connecting Prince Adam and He-Man is wonderfully scripted and entertaining, but much like the end of this episode, everything else about the plot feels far too staged. And he gave it a four Power Swords out of ten. So, James, you're not here to defend yourself, so I won't pick apart your points, but our tradition <laughs> continues that you feel all my favorite episodes are below average. So. <laughs> I love you, James. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually pretty surprised by that, but at the same time, I, I can't disagree at the same time but I, I'm very much like the the amount of emotion in this one outweighed out, like, yeah, the I nonsensical so. that he brought up for me at least. Right. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't I can't disagree with what you're saying, but for me, it the the premise and the emotions and the acting and the animation is enough to overcome that. For him, it wasn't. But like I said, I'm used to that with James because every time I look up an episode in there, I'm like, I love this episode. And oh, James gave it a two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those moments where, like, it, you, you kind of go, if if James and I were friends and we hung out together, then it'd be like you two would be arguing, even though you love He Man so much. But he'd be like, the episode today wasn't so good. I, it was the best. <laughs> I would be curious about that because I know, well, you and I, again, not trying to rope James into this because he's not here. You know, but that is what he's printed. Um, yeah. But I would be kind of curious if, because um, again, that was written years ago. I wonder if maybe some of those he feels differently about. Maybe they hit harder. We got to get James on the show again. Um, but I am curious if maybe he goes back and maybe he's kind of like, huh, maybe I should. You know what I mean? Like everyone's tastes mm-hmm. change over time. There are episodes yeah. that I used to hate that now I, I love to watch. And I know even you and I, like, I'll bring up an episode and you'll be like, well, that was a stinker. And I'll be like, well, what about, think about it this way, this way, and this way. And you're like, damn, that's actually, like, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes, maybe yeah. that's what it would be with him and me. Maybe with, you know, vice versa. Because I know there are some episodes in there he's got rated higher. And I'm like, really? You, you like that episode? So, <laughs> it goes both ways. And I'd be curious, uh... We're gonna have to get him on and, and call him out on some of these some of these lower grade episodes that we love. Sure. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just kind of interesting how, like you said, as friends talking, how that kind of changes your perception of things or you know angles you didn't think about before because it didn't hit you the same way, maybe, or maybe yeah. you never revisit it because it didn't hit you as an eight year old. So you're like, well, as a 25 year old i'm not going to watch it again on dvd because i remember disliking that episode yeah you know exactly yeah it's interesting as we get older and how we feel about the the stuff but quest for the sword great episode oh and i guess i gotta give props to Stephen bashati too don't i because it was him um <laughs> talking about this episode on the latest uh podcasters of the universe that kind of set the ball rolling. Like, it was always on the list, obviously, because it's been a favorite of mine since a kid. But with him bringing it up, even though he called it Prince Adam No More on their episode, shame, uh, (laughs) 
it kind of got my mind rolling like, you know, and then and then you're like, well, what do we do this week? And I'm like, plus for the sword. So Sure. Thanks. Plus it, it's it's like I said, you know, I mean, it honestly it is kind of nice to go back home again on this one because oh, 100%. we haven't we haven't been in uh, filmation mode in so long and that's kind of one of the yeah the heart and souls of us starting this was wanting to talk about the stories and filmation gave us so many of those why not so yep. yeah <laughs> all right sean take us all right weekend. all right uh like Share, subscribe, ring that bell so you can be informed of any kind of notifications like when we go live or when we post new videos. Subscribe to us on any podcast apps that you might have. Uh, And also, feel free to give us a rating. Uh, We haven't had a new rating for a little while now. That'd be really cool to be able to read some more off on a future episode. Uh, join us on Facebook, Legends of uh, yeah, Legends of Podcast, Legends of Grace Golf Podcast, where we like to talk shop with fans, and we will post new things as we find them as well. And uh, you can also message us there if you want to talk to us privately, and if you want to talk to us any other way. If you aren't on Facebook, logpod85 at gmail.com, and Matt will get that, and he will read any and all comments and questions on future episodes. And until next time. Until next time, guys. Keep questing for that sword. Oh, come on. Oh!